<laughs> okay, so Kale is in Hungary, and he wanted to say hi. Um, he is He's done now. He's heading back. He will be back, I think, tomorrow night. Is that right? And Brooke's not in here. So, yeah, we'll just say he's going to be back tomorrow. Oh, yeah, she is. He'll be back tomorrow night, right? Okay, so... He was able to get, they were able to give the gospel to uh, around 300 people, which is awesome, and they gave gifts to 250, so if you do the math there, it seems as if 50 people got left out, but I mean, they got to hear about Jesus, so that's cool, um, so that's, that's good, but uh, Kale will be back tomorrow, and so just keep him in your prayers as he's traveling, and so we're going to start our Christmas series, and it is already December 5th. There's only 20 days till Christmas, 20 days. And in case you're wondering, I do wear a size large. I like Xbox. I have an Xbox One. Uh, wear a size 11 shoes. If you guys want to, like, combine gifts, if you haven't gotten me anything yet, feel free. I'll take it. Uh, it's Ben's birthday, so apparently uh, you can get him. He's probably a medium. <coughs> but I'm, I'm going way off. The tie, tie facts just kind of threw me off today. And so, you know, it's crazy because the year just kind of flies by. And every year, it uh, you know, the years go by faster and faster, and Christmas just kind of comes and goes. And the next thing you know, it's going to be January. It's going to be snowing, and Christmas is just going to be gone. And, you know, the problem with that is is we spend the whole season of Christmas just kind of rushing around, um, doing things that need to get done, and we kind of just really lose focus of what Christmas really means. And I, I'm sure that if we went around, everyone has thought about Jesus during Christmas. I mean, we, we go to church, and, and most of you would know the story of Christmas. And there's like a manger on every corner, unless you're in Dover, because apparently Dover no longer allows mangers on the square. Andy, have you called about that? You need, you need to take care of that. But, you know, there's Christmas songs. There's, there's all these things that will remind us of Jesus and, and him coming to earth as a baby. But... You know, do we really think about that? How often do we actually take time and, and think about that stuff? And if we went around this room, everyone could tell us uh, about Jesus and Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the wise man. And we know that Jesus was born in a manger, and we know that, you know, there was no room for him in the end. And, you know, if we're reading through the Bible, we get to this point, it's very familiar to us. Most of us know, you know, this story, and some of us may just skip through this story a little quicker because we're familiar with it. And, you know, you know what the problem is, though, is that, most, you know, what the problem is that most Christians have with Christmas is, is that we sure know a lot about it, but we probably don't really think about it all that often. Um, when Kale asked me to talk about Christmas, you know, do the Christmas series, I was like, oh yeah, great, this, this will be great, it'll be fun. And then I don't know if I should tell you all this, but I was like, oh man, what am I going to tell them? I mean, it's Christmas and that's great, but I mean, what am I going to tell you guys that you don't know about Christmas? I mean, especially if you've grown up in church, I've been in church for 33 years of my life, and I, I can tell you the Christmas story in my sleep. And so I started to think, and so I, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to start praying about it, and I'll just start reading Matthew and Luke's account of Christmas and see what happens. And the Lord really started to convict me, because do you realize that this story is the second greatest story in the Bible? It, this story is the second greatest story in the Bible. And, you know, we could argue about that. You could say, well, maybe it's David and Goliath or whatever. But outside of the story of Calvary, that's the only, this is, you know, that's the only story that's better than this story. Only the story of when Jesus grows up after living a perfect life, suffers the most gruesome death possible on the cross, and, and then rises again on the third day so, you know, we can have a relationship with him so he can forgive our sins is, is greater than this story. 
I mean, if, if Jesus didn't come in the, in the form of man in, a, in the manger at Christmas, I mean, the greatest story in, in our Bible doesn't happen. And so as I was continuing reading, you know, God kind of showed me that. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's right. And I don't really even think about that kind of stuff. You know, I don't think about Christmas outside of Christmas. I mean, how often do we really think about this? And maybe you guys think about it all the time. And it's only me, so I'm sorry. But I think it's safe to say that we don't really think about the birth of Christ and how amazing it is, you know, year around. And so, I, you know, as I was, you know, continue to pray and read about this, um, I was kind of reminded about what Kale was talking about uh, about a month or so ago. He was referencing the uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And if you guys don't know what that is, that's just a book that uh, records the early Christians' lives and what uh, all the persecution and all the, like, the deaths that, that they had because they were just faithfully following the Lord. And I started to think about what the early Christians would have thought about before there was such a thing called Christmas. And if you're shocked right now that there was a thing, you know, before Christmas and Christmas wasn't always here, you know, come see me later, we'll talk about it. But um, yeah, it, it's crazy. I started to think about that. And do you think that those, those Christians ever took this story for granted? Do you think before Christmas was commercialized and before, you know, there was mangers on every other block and all the uh, things and all the Christmas songs, do you think that, uh, you know, the early Christians took it for granted? I'm guessing that they cherished this story. I'm guessing that whenever they read this story, they were excited because this is the story that brought our Savior to earth. And so, like I said, as I was reading, you know, I kept getting convicted, and I realized that even though I know the story of Christmas really well, and I think we, I, like I said, we all know the story of Christmas really well, I think it's safe to say that we just kind of breeze through the actual characters of Christmas. So thus, that's the title of our, our um, series, Characters of Christmas. There's a lot of really cool things we can learn about each character that, that's in, in the Bible uh, when it talks to Christmas. So we're going to talk about a few of them in the next couple weeks. There's more than I can talk about. I only have two weeks, and then we got a Christmas party. The rumor is Steve's going to do something crazy and amazing. Um, so, you know, I only got two weeks to talk about it. But I want to encourage you guys to just kind of ask the Lord to show you something new. I know you know about Christmas, but just ask the Lord right now. Just kind of still your heart and ask him. What can I learn about Christmas that, you know, you want me to you want me to learn this year? And, you know, I think we can all learn something really cool about, the, you know, the actual characters that are in the Bible that we just kind of skip over every year. And so we're going to read Matthew 1, 16 through 25, um, and then we'll jump in. Uh, Matthew 16 or 1, 16 says, And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Christ was on this wise, when, as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But when he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to, t to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he hath saved his people from their sins. And all this was, now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and now and knew her not until 
she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So that sounds pretty familiar, right? That's the Christmas story, kind of summarized a little bit more than it would be in Luke 2. And so we see that, obviously, Mary's pregnant. Um, Joseph really wasn't buying the fact that she was pregnant, so he went to think about some things, and the Lord sent Gabriel and talked to him. And, and so they, you know, they continued on the relationship, and they had Jesus. And so, you know, this is just... The thing that we forget, guys, is that this is a very real story with very real people and very real problems that these people had to face. And so tonight we're just going to talk about Joseph and what and see what we can learn from Joseph. Um, and the first thing and your first point is we need to understand who Joseph was. Um, as you read through, you know, the Bible and you kind of begin to notice there's not a lot said about Joseph. Uh, Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke, uh, the end of Luke 1 and Luke 2 is really the only places where you see Joseph mentioned a lot, you'll see him referenced maybe here or there throughout the Bible, but he's just not talked about very often. And in in as I thought, well, I wonder what history has to say about him. And usually you can Google most of the Bible characters and you can find a ton of information about a lot of them. And when I Googled Joseph, nobody really knows anything other than he was a carpenter, he was the earthly father of Jesus, and he may or may not have died before Jesus' earthly ministry. Nobody really has any idea. The Bible, whenever Jesus is on the cross, you know, um, Jesus tells John, one of his disciples, that, um, you know, he, he tells him that he needs to take care of Mary, his mother. He never references um, Joseph. Um, maybe it's just because Joseph wasn't there. But most people would say that Joseph died. Uh, most people would say he didn't make it even to Jesus' earthly ministry. And I'm just going to say I don't 100% know that for sure, but that seems to be what most people think. And so I say all that just kind of to point out that your first point, Joseph was a nobody to the world. I mean, nobody even took time to notice when Joseph died. I mean, that's kind of crazy to me. The earthly father of Jesus, and nobody even took the time to write down if he died or when he died or anything along those lines. We do know that he was a simple carpenter. Um, he was nobody special. He wasn't some rich king. He wasn't an amazing ruler. He wasn't, um, he didn't have no a great uh, religious background or training. And uh, certainly he wasn't prepared uh, him to train, you know, he wasn't prepared to train Jesus. I mean, can you imagine God in human flesh? And, and so, so he was really just kind of a nobody. Um, in fact, in Matthew 13, 53 through 55, we see Jesus all grown up. And he's talking to the religious leaders, and they had this to say in Matthew uh, 13, 53 through 55. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this the mother called Mary? and his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. And so when Jesus was talking uh, to the religious leaders, they were amazed at his wisdom. They were amazed at what he was doing through his miracles. And so they asked, like, isn't this the carpenter's son? And that's, that's not a compliment. That's not saying, well, I mean, isn't that Joseph's son? Because Joseph is so awesome. I mean, this would kind of be like if one of these days my son Grayson loves basketball and he, he get goes to the NBA. And so maybe he's there and he's warming up. And if someone would say, man, that's Grayson. Yeah, that he's a great NBA player. I'm like, but isn't that his dad? I mean, if you've ever seen me play basketball, it's not very good. I've never played organized basketball, so I don't even know all the rules. I can't explain the details of basketball. And I'm five foot ten on a good day. Depending on the shoes, I can hit five foot ten and a half. 
Um, but I mean, I got, I do not have the, the physical abilities or anything like that that I can pass on to my kids is going to make it to the NBA. So if they would ever make it, it is certainly not because of me. And so when Jesus is talking, that's what they're saying. Like, wow, how in the world did this guy get so wise? How is he, he so powerful? It certainly wasn't because of, of Joseph. And, you know, that, that's the thing. They just looked at Joseph. The world looked at Joseph like he was a nobody. He was just an average man, just like me, just like Bill, just like Ben, just like any of you guys. He was just average. And so he was very common to the world, and they just kind of would have looked over him. But the next thing we need to understand about Joseph that's very important is Joseph was not even Jesus' real dad. And so I think we all know this, but I think that we don't often think about what that means. I mean... <coughs> All that, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, so I'll wait to, to get to that. But in Luke uh, 2, 48 through 49, um, you know, Jesus is about 12 years old at this time, and his family had taken a trip, and they, his family, you know, Joseph and Mary had left, and it took them about three days, and they realized that they lost Jesus. I don't know how you lose Jesus, but he, they lost him. And so they went back to find him, and they, they uh, found him uh, in the synagogue talking to the religious leaders, and, and this is what they said. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's work? So they, they come and find Jesus, and they say, Man, well, what, are, what are you doing? What, why, why, you know, me and your... Your father's looking for you, and he is, is not shy to point out that, um, that he was about his father's work. And that's a capital F, so that's God. He's referring to God. So it, he, Jesus makes it very clear that, you know what? Joseph isn't even his real dad. And so <coughs> that's just kind of, it's just kind of crazy to me. We take that for granted, but Joseph was, you know, the earthly father and responsible for Jesus, but he actually wasn't his real dad. And then the next thing we need to realize is Joseph was someone to God. Um, and this is the really important one that we need to understand because you, um, when we started reading, we started reading in verse 16. And so I think there's a slide. If you go to Matthew 1, 1 through uh, 15, you'll see that. What do you guys see? Oh, maybe it's not up there. Anyways, if you go there. Oh, hey, look. Andy's giving me the thumbs up. Oh, damn. Uh, Matthew 1, 1 through 15. Anyways. If you go and you look, you'll, you'll see that there's just this big, long genealogy. And if you don't know what genealogy means, it just means like a family tree. It's like a, a lineage. It would be just kind of shows you where Joseph came from, who he was, who his ancestor, ancestors was. And so, in, you know, listen, I get it. When you get to a genealogy, I mean, if you're reading through the Bible, do you actually read through them? When I was in high school, I kind of like skimmed through them and pretended I was reading them. And then kind of kept on going. I couldn't pronounce half the names anyways. And in fact, if I was in high school and I heard a guy starting to talk about a genealogy, I would say, are you stinking kidding me? But we are going to talk about it uh, because it's, it's really important. Um, the thing that you have to understand before this genealogy is written is that between your Bible and in Malachi and Matthew, there's like, if you actually have a physical Bible, there's probably a thin sheet of paper. And, you know, you just flip from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But that represents... 400 plus years of God not talking to, to the nation of Israel. That's 400 plus years of silence from the Lord. And so the Israelites at this time were in captivity. Uh, they were disobedient to the Lord. And so he just stopped talking. And then all of a sudden, God begins to speak. The Lord begins to speak, and he starts off with a genealogy. Like of all things, why in the world did the Lord start with a genealogy? Has anybody ever wondered that? Well, I, I have. And so... 
you know, God doesn't do anything without a purpose. I mean, everything that God does is a purpose. And for 15 verses, we see the lineage, lineage of Abraham and Joseph. And it's kind of like God is just reviewing the Old Testament. But you know what you see? You see that Joseph was from the right lineage. You see, you know, we end with Joseph. We started reading verse 16, and so-and-so begot Joseph. And this is a big deal, uh, because the, the thing is, is the theme of our Bible is about a king and a kingdom. And ever since sin entered in the world back in Genesis, ever since um, Adam and Eve ate of this, uh, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and sin entered into the world, there's been this battle because God began prophesying immediately in Genesis that there's going to be someone who's going to come and he's going to come from a certain line. He's going to come from a certain family. And ever since that, you know, God started prophesying, Satan decided that, you know what, I'm going to stop that. I'm going to stop that, um, that lineage. I'm going to stop that family tree because I don't want the Savior coming and, 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 and I, I don't want that to happen. And so there's just this huge battle going back and forth in your Old Testament about this very genealogy. When, when God moves, Satan moves. When God moves again, Satan moves. And there's just <coughs> back and forth, back and forth. And if you ever read through your Old Testament, you just need to take note of that and just notice that there's just a, a big battle going on for, for God's kingdom. And so you see this 15-verse genealogy, and you notice that... You know, it has a lot of names. It has Abraham, it has Isaac, and it has some names you are familiar with, some names you're not familiar with. But the important thing about this genealogy is, is that it fulfills a lot of prophecy. Um, and, I, and you see on your notes, I don't act, I'm not actually going to read all these verses, but you see that through this genealogy, a lot of prophecies are fulfilled just because of who Joseph is. In Genesis 12, 13, it says the Messiah will come from the line of Abraham. Genesis 26, uh, 3 through 6 says the Messiah will come from the line of Isaac. In Numbers 24, 7, the Messiah would come from the line of Jacob. Isaiah 11, 1 through 10, the Messiah would come from the line of Jesse. And in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16, it says the Messiah would come from the line of David. And if you just look through those 15 verses of those names, do those names look familiar? All those names are up there. And Joseph comes from the right family. God knew exactly who Joseph was. Uh, maybe you don't realize that there was a battle for, for, you know, this family line. Maybe you don't realize, you know, the importance of this genealogy, but do you really think that with the battle that's going on throughout the entire Old Testament that Jesus is going to leave, or God's going to leave his son with just anybody? Do you really think that everything that, that's been going on throughout the Old Testament and that the Savior of the world is going to come to earth, do you really think that God's going to just randomly leave his son with just anybody? Of course not. I mean, that's, Joseph was somebody to the Lord. And so, you know, some of you are thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Can I just say that if you have a relationship with the Lord, if you've accepted, accepted him as your personal savior, you realize <coughs> that you're in the right family. You've been taken from the old family. You've been put into, into God's family. <coughs> you are a child of God. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks of you. It doesn't matter if the world thinks you're a nobody. It doesn't matter if you're not rich or you're not popular or if you're not the coolest person in school or you're just not whatever the world wants you to be, it just really doesn't matter because you're part of God's family and you matter to him. And if you've accepted the Lord as your savior, you're, you're someone to the God of the universe. And hopefully that means something to you guys. And you know, you, you guys matter to God. I mean, if, if you are willing to obey and surrender your life to him, he has great things in store for you. And, I mean, honestly, who gives a crap what anybody else thinks? If God is for you, then who cares who's against you? And if people don't like you, I mean, who cares? Because God does. And so, 
you know, I, I just want you guys to remember that. Like, a simple genealogy through your Bible actually means something. And so God's word, you know, every, th- every word is pure, and every word means something. So please just don't read through your Bible and be like, oh, genealogy, whatever, and just skip through it. Because God's trying to show us something everywhere, just like he's trying to show us something with the story of Christmas. And so with that said, why, why did he stop here? Why did he stop with Joseph? And, you know, God could have used any, anybody. Um, there are some other good men in this genealogy. There was righteous men in this genealogy. And so I think there's several reasons that God stopped here. But I think the one, there's a few that we're going to talk about tonight. And the first one is, is your next blank, is Joseph was a just man. And so in verse 19 it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, and then it goes on to what <coughs> the angel of the Lord came and said. And so now I know, once again, we know the Christmas story. However, I, I just want uh, for you guys just to take a second and put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Now, he was engaged to Mary, and so Jewish custom kind of worked like this. An engagement was like a legal binding so or a legal document. So like you kind of signed a legal thing that said you're married, but technically you were still engaged, and... The, the wife or the you know the the wife or the woman would live with her parents for a year and so then after that year you would get married and you'd go on have your kids or do whatever but technically you were still considered to be married as you were espoused so you know Joseph was excited one day and he wanted to go talk to to Mary and you know I don't know if this is exactly what she said but generally whenever I'm in trouble this is what happens we need to talk um, I'm assuming Mary said something along those lines, and if you've ever been in a relationship, the words we need to talk is never a good thing. And let me tell you, even when you're married, the words we need to talk or anything like that is never a good thing. Anytime Casey says, Josh, we need to talk, there's two things that come to mind. Oh, crap, what did I do? Or what did my kids do? It's never because, oh, we need to talk because you're so great. I mean, you would think, I know, you're shocked. and We don't have a lot of those conversations sort of like that. I, you would think that she'd be telling me how great I am all the time. Um, sorry, I'm getting off script here. But, I mean, you would think that she would, but she doesn't. And any time we need to talk comes out, that's, you know, it's, it's usually never a good thing. And so then Mary goes on to tell him that she was pregnant. Okay, well, that's not good. You know, they're, they're engaged, but <coughs> she's pregnant. So, you know, at this point, he's probably thinking she's ha- he's having an affair but then she goes on to tell him, however, it's okay because it's the Holy, Holy Ghost that impregnated her. She is still a virgin. She didn't cheat on him. And in fact, the child that's inside of her is the child that's been prophesied for thousands of years to come. It's going to be the Savior of the world. Now, we all know the story, and it all sounds great, but really, what do you think Joseph was thinking at that point? If you're ever engaged and your wife comes in, or your fiance comes and tells you that she's pregnant and it's because of the Holy Ghost, what are you really going to say? You're going to say you're crazy. In fact, I'm going to be even madder that she told me that it was the Holy Ghost because she thinks I'd be that stupid to believe it. And so all of a sudden, you got Joseph thinking, wow, you know, what's going on? Like, what, what's going on? And this is part of the story we take for granted because you read through it and we just, you know, like I said, there's not a lot written about Joseph. And so we just kind of assume, okay, well, Joseph just kind of just went along with his business. But, I mean, think about this. Like, Joseph had a decision to make. And what we also don't realize is by Mary telling Joseph this, there were big consequences. Like you couldn't just end the relationship. That's just not how it worked. And actually, according to Deuteronomy 22, 13 through 11, or 13 through 23, actually 13 through 11, you can't go backwards, sorry. Deuteronomy 22, 13 through 21, Joseph could have went to the elders of the church 
or the you know the religious leaders, and he could have explained the situation. They could have ruled, and they could have literally killed Mary. And so he had a lot of choices he could have made. <coughs> so all of a sudden, the whole virgin birth and you know the the birth of Christ, the the thing we celebrate every single year, hangs on the response of one man. His choice affects what happens. But so often we just kind of read through the story and never think about that. We never think about who Joseph was and the choices he actually had to make. And so luckily in verse 19, the Bible says that Joseph was a just man. And so what's that mean to be just? Um, basically, that means righteous. Um, and the good thing is, is, is the Bible always defines what it means. So in Psalms 27, it says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So a just man has integrity. Joseph was an honest and trustworthy man. He was a guy you'd want to be friends with. He was a guy who would probably always have your back and who would always tell you the truth. You know, and, and the Lord knew this. The Lord knew to trust, to trust Joseph. In Hosea 14.9, it says, Who is wise, and he shall understand these things, prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. A just man walks in the ways of the Lord. He's obedient to the Lord. When the Lord talks, talks a just person listens, and he just simply obeys. And to whatever the Lord says. And also in Romans 1.17 it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we see that a just man will live by faith. A just man is going to be a faithful person. He's going to be faithful to the Lord. He's going to be faithful to his friends. He's going to be faithful in whatever God's calling him to be faithful in. And so this is kind of who Joseph was. <coughs> this is why Joseph responds the way he was. You know, he knew his options. The Bible said he didn't want to make her a public example which means he didn't want to turn her into the elders. He, did, he was trying to figure out how could he get out of this in a graceful way, you know, and he, he clearly loved her. If not, he would have just taken her to the elders and he would have had her probably killed. And so, you know, I don't think he was buying at this point the Holy Ghost story either, and I honestly can't say that I would be buying it either. And so, so Joseph, you know, he went and thinked on these things. Um, like I said, we read this story over and over, and how many times have we, we stopped to think how hard this moment would have been for Joseph? How hard the woman that he was about ready to marry, he was thinking, you know, cheated on him and had an affair or whatever, and <coughs> that his world was being turned upside down. What would you have done in this situation? I mean, I already told you, if my, you know, if I was, ma you know, married, married, well, I am married. If I was, you know, engaged to Casey and she came and told me this story, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm going to just, like, probably start yelling at her. I'm going to flip out and I'm going to tell everybody about what happened. But that's not what Joseph did. He just patiently stopped and he waited. You know, this, this stuff can happen to you guys too, guys. I mean, what happens whenever your family, you know, does something to upset you? What happens whenever your friends stab you in the back? What happens whenever life gets hard, and life will get hard, it's life. I mean, that's what happens. Sorry to burst your bubble, but when you grow up, it doesn't get easier. And so, you know, we, we often find ourselves in situations, and, you know, maybe it's something that we did to get ourselves in that situation. Maybe it's not. What do we do? You know, how do we handle it? And so we can learn a lot from Joseph. I mean, he just stopped, and he, and he, and he waited. He thought on those things, and he was a just man, so I think it's safe to say that he was seeking the Lord's advice on it. And so whenever we have hard situations, we have to remember that we need to wait. And I know that's not, you know, that's not easy. And that's not the world's going to tell you to do. The world's going to tell you just to go off and, and figure out, you know, your problems and, and handle your situations. But, you know, the Lord says to wait. In Psalms 27, 14, it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Like I said, I know that's not easy. 
and especially whenever it's a hard time, you want to just handle it. You want to get out in front of it or whatever it is. But the Lord says, man, just, just wait. And if you wait on the Lord, he'll give you strength. He'll get you through it. He always will get you through it. But so often we just don't wait on the Lord and we take matters into our own hands. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up, mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And like, you know, it's, it's hard to wait. But if we wait on the Lord, he, like I said, he's going to give us strength and says, you know, you're not going to be weary. And how often do you get yourself in a situation and you're just wore out and then you try to make it better and does it, you know, it usually never helps and then you're more wore out. And then, you know, if you just stop and wait on the Lord, this is good advice for you guys because, it, you know, if you start doing this now and you start, as soon as a situation comes and a hard time comes, you just stop and you start, you know, praying to the Lord and you don't overreact on the situation, he's going to give you strength and he's going to get you through it. And Micah uh, 7, 7 says, Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And so Micah's saying, you know what? You need to wait on the Lord. And, and, you know, the good thing is the Lord will hear you. And, you know, it's a good thing Joseph was a just man because, I mean, if he didn't wait on the Lord, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, I don't know exactly how this story would have played out. Would God have intervened? I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't have, luckily he did, so I guess I don't have to know. But, I mean, what if he wouldn't have waited? I mean, what if all of a sudden he just got mad and went and told his family and friends and went to the elders? I mean, it would have been a whole different whole different um, a ball game for the story of Christmas, I can tell you that. And so, like I said, just just listen and, and, and see what the Bible has to say. In a simple story of Christmas, you can learn that you, c- you can be just and you can wait on the Lord and good things will happen. And so, and the good thing is, like, like Micah 7, 7 says, you know, if you wait on the Lord, you know, he'll hear you. And while Joseph waited, uh, God does exactly what he says he's going to do. Um, God shows up. Uh, he sends Gabriel to tell him what was going on. Gabriel fer- g- verified the story Mary had told him. And, you know, <coughs> that's probably why he chose Joseph, by the way, because he did wait on the Lord and because he was just. And I can't imagine exactly what, you know, Joseph's response was whenever Gabriel told him that. But, I mean, imagine all, all the emotion that he felt. And then all of a sudden, the, the Lord sends an angel to verify everything that Mary said. I mean, that had to be relieved you know, a relief to him, obviously. But, I mean, do you think that he was thankful that he waited on the Lord? I'm guessing he probably was. But, you know, even at this point, Joseph still had a choice. We have to realize we all have free will. He still had a choice. Um, He still could have done whatever he wanted. He still could have walked away. But the thing is, is in your last point, is Joseph was obedient. And we see in uh, verse 24, it says, Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And so Gabriel came. He said, hey, this is true. Mary's not lying to you. This is the Lord. This is Jesus. Um, So you know what Joseph did? He said, okay, that's cool. Uh, If you say so, God, he just went and did it. And, you know, once again, I know I keep saying this, but we take it for granted that this story, that he just automatically just went and married, married Mary, you know, because he had many choices. You know, in the world's eyes, he had every right to leave her. In his friends' eyes, probably his family's eyes, they probably thought he was crazy for staying with her. You know, no one was going to believe this Holy Ghost story. I mean, God's not sending angels to everybody. And in fact, when Jesus grow up, grew up and he's doing all his miracles and he's doing all his signs and he's telling people who he is, most people didn't believe him then either. So they certainly weren't going to believe that, you know, that, you know, you, you know, Mary was pregnant with the Holy Ghost. And, you know, if, 
if, if we were to stay with Mary, there was really two options people were going to think. They were going to think either they, you know, had sex outside of marriage and they gotten pre- pregnant, and that would have been extremely looked down upon in that period of time, or, or that Mary had an affair on him, and he just felt bad for her and stayed with him. But both of those options would have made people look down on them. Imagine what people would have said about Mary and Joseph. Just imagine. I mean, if, if that were to happen today, people talk, people say things, but it's much more accepted now. You know, I- they would have been the talk of the town. People would have judged them. People would have done all sorts of things. And so, you know, he could have just kind of walked away. And I want you to imagine this. You know, when Jesus was born, Jesus, God in human flesh, you know, Savior of the world, he didn't come as a king. He didn't come as, you know, somebody powerful. He came as a lowly carpenter's son, but at the same time, he was also the illegitimate son of a carpenter. I mean, how much more humbly could the Lord come? Could he have possibly came any more humbly and, and to come to save, you know, to save the world from their sins? Absolutely not. And so, you know, they also, I mean, and the last thing is, is that Joseph, I mean, he wasn't even his real dad. I mean, there's really nothing that I just read that really would make somebody want to stay to marry Mary and raise Jesus. I mean, let's just be honest about it. But you know what? Joseph was obedient. He listened to the Lord. And so Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then it goes on to say in John 14, 21, he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent thee. And so you see that Jesus is talking about if you love the Lord, you're going to keep his commandments. You're going to be obedient. And it's very clear that Joseph loved the Lord and he kept his commandments. Can you imagine as Jesus was was talking about this, how proud he must have been of Joseph? I mean, I know that, you know, he was just his earthly father, but how proud do you think he was of Joseph? When When he thought about this and he knew what went on, as his parents grew up, you know, as he grew up and his parents, you know, sacrificed and they were talked about and they were made fun of. And as they, you know, went through their life, how proud do you think, you know, that Jesus was? He had to be extremely proud of his dad. I mean, I know I would be if if he was just, you know, a just man and he made the right choice and he was patient and waited for the Lord. I mean, it's pretty cool whenever you think and you read through this and you realize, man, yeah, Joseph, yeah, he was obedient and he was he was just, but I mean, Jesus, God in human flesh would have been so proud of his father. And that, that's something that we can learn. Whenever we're obedient to the Lord, the Lord's proud of us. It, it pleases the Lord whenever we, you know, obey him. And, you know, as we read this stuff, the Bible is not a hard book to understand. It's just a hard book to, to follow. So often in our lives, God, you know, wants us to do something. And, you know, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. And it doesn't really matter if God's asking us to do something. He just wants us to do it. And verse 23 says, if you love him, you will keep his words. And so are you willing to do whatever the Lord asks you to do? Joseph was willing to do whatever God asked him to do. I mean, like I said, he had some really hard choices. And when the Lord told him to do something, he did it. Even in Matthew 2, as you read on, the Lord says, hey, you got to move your family to Egypt. And what's he do? He goes. He just simply moves his family to Egypt because why did he do it? Because God told him to. 
And so hopefully uh, this can encourage you guys and this can kind of show something just out of the Christmas story that it's just a different perspective. You know, it's clear that Joseph loved the Lord. And as you read Matthew 1 and 2, you realize that Joseph was faced with so many tough choices and he could have walked away at any point. Um, You know, nobody, like I said, nobody would have thought any different of him except for the Lord. And that's the important part. The world would have said, "Okay, that makes sense. But, you know, the Lord called him to do something and he did it. And so that's what's important. And Joseph is a great example of how we should live our lives. You know, like I said, following the Lord is not easy. But however, if you love him and do what he says, you know, it's going to be worth it. I promise I've done it before. It seems to work. And so let me just encourage you guys, as you go through the next week, you'll see the Christmas lights. You'll see the the manger, unless you're driving past Dover Square. Um, You'll see other places. I'm sorry, I just can't get over that. I can't believe that. But you're going to see so many things that's going to remind you of Christmas. But can you just uh, stop and think that these were real people going through real things, going through real problems? And, and think of Joseph and, and ask yourself, what's God calling me to do? It might, it's not going to be something crazy like this. It might be something really small. But you know what? He's still calling you to do it. So you, you really need to do it. And so with that, we're, we're, we're done. And the band's going to come up and I'll pray. Uh, Dear Lord, uh, we love you so much. Uh, Thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for the example of Joseph, a story of someone who we oftentimes read uh, through so quickly and we we know so much about, but we don't realize that he was an average man and he had many choices to make, Lord. And just thank you for his faithfulness and the example that he gives us. And Lord, I just pray that we can all be faithful, Lord. Uh, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, maybe their first step is just uh, to figure out what that means and, and to talk to their friend or to talk to a counselor about a relationship with you, Lord. Or maybe, you know, it's, you know, I don't know what it is in everyone's life, but you're calling us all to do something, Lord. I just pray that we uh, can be just. I pray that we can be patient and wait on you and just be simply obedient. Uh, we love you. Thank you. Amen.